Connor was in Shawshank. And I was in Shawshank. Andy Dufresne, hello. My, my, um, yeah, I never killed my wife in that movie. And we found that out in the movie. And then the fucking Warren kills the guy who knows too much. Spoiled. Don't even watch it now. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud Machine Podcast. My name is Matt Landry. And in this 55th episode, I'm here with Connor Paul. Through the podcast, we discuss his band Violet Knight, their new single Ferrari Red, music videos, his origin story, influences in the music business, uh, being in a band, and much more. We also play the Dreamfest game. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud Machine Podcast, a platform that allows us to learn more about the music industry through conversations with artists, people in the behind the scenes music business individuals, creatives, and much more. Our goal is to shine light on all the stuff that is happening in the music world, topics and realities that are gatekept, and uh, the people and roles that may be often overlooked. This week, I have the immense pleasure of welcoming Connor Pohl to the podcast. He is the lead singer and guitarist of Violet Knight, a Toronto-based alternative rock group. And um, it's the first time we meet today. Uh, Connor's one of the, the first ones to uh, sort of reach out to be on the pod and, and I gladly got gladly accepted and just just from our talk over the last uh maybe twenty minutes I, I'm I'm stoked that we're doing this. Yeah me as well. Speaking of based, this is pretty based. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was a pretty based first, first line for me. We're opening yeah. with a bang here today. Yeah. yeah. Setting off IEDs in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Good man, I'm great. Thank yeah. you for having me. Thanks thanks for coming. Um let's start the podcast that we always start the pod. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> your favorite experience, live experience as a fan in the music industry? Well, there's been several, I, I will say, but like yeah. one that was really significant to me. Um, you know, when, when you hear this or you hear this question, you want to answer with like, there's the cool answer. There's the real answer. You know what I mean? There's always that like internal dialogue. Sure. So I'll pick two, like, when Blink-182 got back together in 2009, I saw them on, like, the seventh show into that run, and that was when they were, like, full of, like, you know what I mean? It was just, like, uh, explosive. Right. The energy, they were so happy to be there and so excited, and, um, yeah, that was really massive. My brother and I experienced that, and it was really cool because it's a spectacle, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. stadium shows are a spectacle, but the most profound experience I've had at a show was 21 Pilots at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre, which is yeah. like a 2,000-person venue in Vancouver, in BC. Um, they were on the Blurry Face Tour. It was before they were an arena band. Um, and it kind of, like, refreshed and reset the precedent for what a live show can and should be. Like, mm. the brilliance that that band demonstrated that night, I just walked away. Because I'd seen so many shows up to that point, 2015, 2016-ish. Yeah. And I walked away just with my mind completely like in shambles. Cause the girl I was with at the time, she really wanted to go. And I was kind of like, yeah, they're, they're cool. I'll go check it out. You know? And after right. that, I was like, I love this band. Yeah. This band is, is, you know, pushing boundaries, doing things. And, um, it was just such a profoundly ex inspiring experience to see them do that. What was different between that show and other shows that you may have seen like that year? Every single person in that room knew every word to every song. Yes. They, like, they, it was, I love, what I love about theater shows versus arenas and stadiums is the proximity to the artists. Like, we, 
the uh, Queen Elizabeth generally doesn't have like a floor space. So mm. they took the first two mm-hmm. rows of seating out of the Queen Elizabeth. And then we stood, there was only 50 people floor. Right. So, and most of them were girls that I was taller than. So it was like, it was cool. Like, you know, I didn't know what to expect. So like when he ends up in the crowd or yeah. uh, when Josh has the riser come out on the crowd for drumming, just all of that stuff. And I don't know, there were so many things. I think like just little things like breaking the the barrier between human, like or I guess between fan and artist, like, you know, mm-hmm. just, just, um, the human connection, I guess, and yeah, like yeah. having a bit of a because I think there's that disconnect always, and having that come together by them placing themselves in, yeah. in that place, it's just yeah, and it was next level, just the flow of the show, everything, the even like even even something as simple as like um, Jack White does the same thing, like all of his techs wear suits with like blue ties and like <laughs> bowl, bowl hats and stuff. It just adds to the artistry, and their, their guys all had like these red because it was a blurry face, and it just yeah, every little detail wasn't overlooked, and you could tell it was everything was very intentional, and I admire that. Right, mm-hmm. I love theater shows. Mm-hmm. Like I love club shows, I love stadium shows, but it's there's something about theater shows that yeah. are exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, you also t- I wanted to touch on something that you said earlier. You said their seventh show of the tour yeah. or Blink. Yeah. Um, I find with every tour, and not only as a like, as a performer, but also as a as a fan, there's like there's sort of like a sweet spot. You know, you don't want to go too early in the tour because they're still almost getting used to it, mm-hmm. and you don't want to go to the end of the tour because they might be over it. Yeah. Um, is do you feel the same way? Is there a sweet spot for you? And you know, uh. I feel like you hit the sweet spot with Blink after their seventh show because it, it's not, they're not too into the tour, yeah. but they're still like, okay, this is our seventh show. We're, we're used to it, and we're having fun still. I mean, it varies. I think it really depends on the audience. I think if the audience is giving enough back yeah. every night and that's filling the tank, you know what I mean? If it's, yeah, if yeah. It's, if, then it's, it's really hard because as, as an artist, when you go out and you have you know successful shows and things like that, I think it it serves to kind of refill that tank. And it, I don't know, it's hard to go. It, it's hard to go and be like, oh, like near the end of the run is, you know what I mean? Um, t- you get tired and you want to go home and everything else because I think it's um, it's important to be like just have gratitude to be in that situation because it's like uh, as an artist to have people care about what you're doing yeah. is so significant that um, even with success that, you know, to varying degrees that we've all experienced, I think um, it's important not to, uh, to forget that, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, it's like, I'm so happy just to be there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm like, a, like, I would say like, like in that context, I, uh, I'm just like, you know, I would say, you know, the golden retriever, black cat energy people want to talk <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah. In that context, I'm like golden retriever. But then in everyday life, I, I would I would say not as much golden, maybe a mix, maybe like the, the body of a golden retriever with a black cat's <laughs> yeah, head, you know. But yeah, um, that's how I feel about it. I just have a deep sense of gratitude for to be to be able to do it. And the people care. People give a shit enough to show up. Yeah. Um Moving on to the next uh, cue, I mean, for me, I'm also interested because I don't know that much about you. Um, is there a project campaign era that would best represent your work for the, you know, for the people that don't know you and, and, and myself as well, but, you know, some, something that, or a period of time in your career that people should go check out? The Anti-Heroes record was pretty significant. That was like our first... Um 
I think with like alternative and rock charts, it was like top 20 ish. Yeah, it's great. And then, um, digitally speaking, and then it had uh, our first top 40 alternative song at radio ever, which was cool. Cause like to see us as an independent artist and yeah. then to see like Royal Blood, Harry Styles, Violet Knight was just like <laughs> yeah. cool. I was just, you know, and that, that, that was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty special for us too. So I think. Antiheroes record is a great place to start. Yeah, our biggest songs, I would say, are like the heavier alternative rock ones. Right. Um, as you heard, the new one, I think, kind of for our Reddit, kind of isn't as heavy. It's more like alternative, but still has rock in its roots. It's a little r- rougher around the edges, which I think is super intentional, and I love that about it. But yeah, no, and the Daydream Drama EP, I was really happy with too. That came out in May, May nineteenth, twenty three. Yeah, super happy with that. Super happy with Antiheroes. Either of those is great. And then Ferrari Red, kind of so to speak, paints the canvas for what's to come. I think that's kind of um, setting a precedent for the direction we're heading. I, I personally want to head more alternative, like um, songs that I love by us. You know, I love all the songs I've written for the band, but I really love songs like Evergreen or Daydream Drama or Ferrari Red or right or yeah. So yeah. cool, very cool. Um, because this is typically like a sort of we we sort of promote it as a sort of music industry pod. Mm-hmm. I don't like the music business. It's not because it's not just music business. Um, we sort of take a look at a quote, like sort of an industry vibe quote. Um, it's Joni Mitchell's quote this year. Um, it's the quote is, I heard someone from the music business saying they're no longer looking for talent. They want people with a certain look and a willingness to cooperate. Um, and that's from an interview with Robert Hilburn of the LA times in 2004. Again, the quote is, I heard someone from the music business saying they are no longer looking for talent. They want people with a certain look and a willingness to cooperate. Um, what do you think about that? I think it's the commodification of art. Yeah. At the end of the day. I mean, it's kind of gross for for me, like after having that, uh, you know, top 40 songs, whatever, you have people in your corner that are like, well, write more in that lane because, you know, that's, that's where you want to be. And it's like, right. ah, I'd rather just like, sur- you know, scratch the itch inside of me mm. and like honor that because... I think your instinct and like your intuition is really important. And I think if you don't listen to that and you're not serving yourself, mm. then you'll become disingenuous and hate everything you make. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the fear totally. as, as an artist, right? So yeah. it's like, yeah, hearing that, I mean, I get it. And also it's like we compete in the same space now, like as every influencer, as a musician, <laughs> we essentially are competing with, with somebody with a cute dog or like, uh, and no, no shame <laughs> yeah. to cute dogs. No, no, no. But we love cute dogs. Yeah. Yeah. We love cute dogs, <laughs> but it's like, um, um, that's direct competition for bands. Whereas yeah, I don't think it ever yeah. used to be, you know, very interesting. I had, uh, Kara and Rob on the podcast from Valley a few weeks ago and they were just talking about how, um, I mean their process from early on of, of the, uh, of, of the band Valley and now, to their loss of translation record, and they felt they did they just feel sort of like they lost themselves mm. in the commodification and and, and the whole TikTok mm. sort of situation, and and sort of feeling like, um, like they weren't necessarily being their true true artists anymore. Um, any thoughts on that? And talking about like maybe the modern artist and what modern artists need to do now, quote unquote, need to do to uh, to promote themselves, I guess. Ah, uh, like how I feel about that? Yeah. 
And how, how do you go through that process as well? I mean, yesterday we filmed a music video and I love yeah. that. But even then it's like, um, you know, TikTok has kind of obliterated attention spans and that's what's driving the needle right now. And yeah. I feel like it's unfortunate because like I teach music privately, like guitar or whatever. Yeah. And a lot of my students, they can't tell me the name of a song or a full song or an artist they really love, but they can tell me like this 15 second clip off TikTok. I like the audio, right? Where it's like, so we experienced, I mean, call it what you want, but a lot of people say we experienced the death of the album. Yeah. God forbid we experienced the death of the single. You know right. what I mean? Like where it's like, it's become such, and I think, um, so I have a background in psychology. That's why I studied in university. Nice. So I think if you look at it from in the context of like, we are refining the machine endlessly to, yeah. to hit our dopamine receptor over the head again and again and again and again. And we're finding ways to refine it and get the dopamine quicker and quicker and quicker, which is lessening the appreciation for it, right? So it's like, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. instant gratification. And it like it's like the equivalent of, let's say you have a spoonful of ice cream every day and that does it for you. And then like you have to have two liters to scratch the itch. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're just so you're so numb to the to the to the sensation of experience so it's like read a book you know yeah <laughs> could could the average person with tiktok even sit down to read a novel i mean that's another question yeah how long does that medium exist you know no it's i mean it's a great point and just just mediums longer mediums and stuff and yeah. before we press a core on this you were telling me that you were an album guy um yeah how, how are how are you balancing um the album the, the, maybe the the want to to do the album, but sort of reflecting on what the current industry is right now, mm. ba purely almost based on singles. Yeah, I think it for me. I'm somebody that feels like I have a lot to say. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so I've got like the whole next record written for sure, and like seven or eight of the songs, like from you know feedback from people that you trust that are I'm told are, are would great candidates for singles, mm. which is a weird. It's a weird feeling as an artist because I'm always um, this is not healthy and I do not condone this <laughs> but I'm always a human being that measures my sense of self-worth based on my creative output sure. so if I'm not like stacking songs and writing then I'm like you're not that you know what I mean like you start so I, I have to like prove, <laughs> it's like proving it to myself that I can do it again right so when I have all these singles in my back pocket and we're only going to release maybe two three a year and it really slows the release down, then it's like, I, I would almost say it's like, it makes it f writing feel less like, I like f I like having a deadline in front of me. I like being like, you know, 10, 12 songs. We need 10, 12 great songs. I'm like, great. Every other year, great. Because then I can refine and hone um, and really craft these things. But now right. it's because the, I mean, at the end of the day too, it's like only the absolute best songs an artist has are being released. But at the same time, some of my favorite songs are not singles. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, most of them. Like, yeah, yeah. like, like, take a, a classic record like "Plans" by Death Cab for Cutie, for example. If you're familiar, like, I, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily familiar, but please go. Yeah, ahead. so yeah. like a record like that is super, like, emotionally driven, lyrically beautiful, um, and just front to back, it's like a very cinematic experience. Yeah. Or like, um, the Nationals' "Trouble Will Find Me." Sure, yeah. With that record, same. Yeah. That that does it for me too. But it's like. Could you see that blowing up on TikTok? I don't know, you know? Right. But what what it did for me and, like, shaping my character, inspiring and influencing me is profound. 
Right. So I think it's, 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 um, yeah, not to be a Debbie Downer, but it's sad to think that like that might be lost on the next generation of up and coming creators. Right. Right. Because it's just a medium that isn't, uh, isn't as relevant for some reason. But I think, I think it's like, there's never any real deep moral satisfaction. Like there's, there's moral deep satisfaction in falling in love. But the, like you, but the, you do, you don't receive that from wanking. You know what I mean? Like well, seriously <laughs> sure. though, right? Sure, sure. Like yeah. people want the quick and easy and the cheap. Like and they want the quote from the novel instead of the novel itself. But the reward mm. is always in the um, the latter and not the former. Right. Right. Very interesting. Um, I, and I I love that analogy as well um, about the quote. Um, are you no, seeing not the wank? Huh? No, no, no. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, this guy. Yeah, I have the board in, fr- in front of me. Sick, sick, sick. I can still do the hand, the, the hand guns, though. Gotcha. Um, finger guns, rather. Um, are you seeing some new developments in the in the music industry that you're interested by, um, other than TikTok? Just some new things that you're seeing. Um, yeah. I mean, it's. I think what the exciting part and the positive part of like everything right now is that. Um, well, I think it, I don't want to like say this and like have label people watch it and whatever, but I think that like um, the whole game has shifted where artists now have a lot more power and control yes. and can retain independence and they don't need yeah. anybody necessarily. Yeah. Like a lot of the greatest records and songs that you're hearing are coming out of a home studio, um, not a, you know, multi hundreds of thousands of dollars studio, whatever. Yeah. Like, um, a band that I really like is Cleopatra. If you're familiar, no, uh, you know, I've I've heard the name, yeah, but, uh, not the music. They're they're fantastic. They're a two piece out of uh, Coburg, I think it's called. Oh yeah, Coburg, sure. whatever. Yeah, and they, yeah, so they've got some really great records. And I think initially they were working with more producers. Now it seems like they've got like a, a you know a team, more self production, more at home kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. But the music is great and their number like the numbers it's not that I, I give a shit about numbers like i'm not like looking at the how they're succeeding <laughs> right because i'm like oh they're succeeding great but i the music just affects me i just love what they've done yeah and how they've kind of like retained this independence and everything else i think it's something to be there's something to be said about it and yeah i mean i mean good uh you're familiar with a band called weathers uh, again, name yes, but not uh, so not the music. They're they're an LA based like alt alt act. They're on Sumerian now. Okay, a couple of the guys in that band I'm I'm good pals with, and um, um, specifically Brennan, the bassist. Shout outs. Yeah, um, yeah, cool dude, really cool dude. But yeah, they they're a band that um was independent. They were on RCA, then independent, then yeah. now Sumerian. But because of how crazy successful they were independent like they were able to leverage a really great deal right right and yes. i love seeing that because it's like they're eating the boys are eating you know what i mean they're not <laughs> yeah, yeah. i think for for me the biggest fear with a label or like having a label involvement as an artist is um if, i don't know if you ever watched that documentary jared leto made called artifact no. so it's like uh during the second record for 30 seconds to mars the label was trying to sue them for $30 million. Okay. And they basically countersued. And basically the gist of it is, is like, if a label doesn't like what you're doing, they can shelf you. Yes. Right. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of cool commentary on that about, and um, that's just one of the anecdotes. It's not like they weren't doing well. They weren't going to get shelved, but it was more so they wanted 
more money because they hadn't seen a dime and they were like selling millions of records or whatever you want to call it, right? Right. You're saying something interesting um, that I think it's important to talk about uh, in regards to artists being independent and sort of leveraging the success that they have when they they are independent to get better deals. Yeah. Um, You know, I I see it happening in some of my friends, some people I work for, um, and sometimes even becoming independent and and seeing more success when they are independent Mm. and then eventually going to the, to, to, to the label. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And I just, I just found, I just think it's important to touch on that because, um, the importance, because, because like you said, artists can do the work themselves now and they can get so far just Mm -hmm. doing it themselves. Um, what do you, what do you think about that? How are you living that currently? And one of my like best pals is a, a GM for a label. Yeah. And who will, he'll remain unnamed, but yeah, he's sure. a great human being. Yeah. Really great. I've learned a lot from him. And even his advice is just the longer you hold on, the sweeter the pot's going to get. Yeah. And um, that's kind of what it seems like that's the way to go, I think. I think with labels, like, this is just my my observation yeah i think because the way the the game has changed that they are i mean it's a business and they're trying to profit and it's harder to profit now so they need to find different ways to make the same profits per quarter or whatever that they used to i mean and everything is changing so fast that i think they're having trouble restructuring so the only way to really do it is just to make it fairer to the artists, which is something that should have been established, I think, like 40 years ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. So it's it's honestly, that's a, a nice component of the way the landscape is changing. I do think, I will say that labels are important at some point and junction in your career. I mean, an example I always use is Macklemore with the Heist album. They reco- okay. Him and Ryan Lewis recorded that in his basement in Seattle. Then they won five Grammys off of it. Yeah. I mean, he's got a Rolls Royce and he's still independent. So, and it's not to be monetarily driven, but it's like, I love that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's got a song called Jimmy Iovine where the most significant line is, um, I'd rather be a starving artist than succeed at getting fucked. Right, right, yeah. Right, you know, so, I mean, food for thought. Yeah. Um, How are you seeing the importance of labels now and and? What, what are some of the more important activities that you see in labels now for artists of 2024? Because as, as we've um, talked about as well, there's so much value and importance now put on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, it's the artists doing TikTok themselves. Compared to 20 years ago, the label was such a big marketing sort of firm mm-hmm. and a bank mm-hmm. as well. How are, you, how are you feeling about modern labels and what they can do for an artist right now? Well, I think... It, it really varies. So, like, let's say they get an artist on, like, uh, let's say they have um, a band, like, let's say it's, I can't say Dirty Hit because the 1975 owns the label. But yeah. let's <laughs> say, for example, that it's Dirty Hit. Yeah. And they've got some conglomerate overlord label bosses on them. Um, they can they can put artists from the label. Well, I mean, they could put artists from their own label opening their arena shows, which yeah. helps bolster their business, which is obviously a wise move. Um, so just things like that where it's like otherwise it might be hard to get those opening slots. You know what I mean? Right. Um, like access. Kind access of thing. to like those contacts, communications, yeah. and just development and whatever. I think it's about finding the team in the home that's like right for you. And yeah. obviously like I'm a big believer in like connection to other human beings, mm-hmm. just like how people interact with each other, what the vibe is. Like yeah. that means more to me than anything. Like I'm, yeah, just – 
the, yeah, having yeah. a good vibe, a good connection, right? Because if you're going to spend time working with people or, like, in a band with people, it's a lot of time. So you might as well be having a good time. Because, like, right. when you're spending time, spending infers a finite resource. So it's like you don't have an unlimited amount of it. So you might as well spend it on what you love, right? Yeah. That's great. I love that. Uh, these analogies that you got are great. They're honestly just off the cuff. It just doesn't shut <laughs> it's, off. It's, it's awesome. Sometimes, honestly, sometimes I worry because, like, most people, I think, have a – there's a concept – like, there's a um, a perceived reality with artists where there's, like, the brooding artist or whatever. And I think, like, sometimes I will intentionally try to, like, say less or – uh, sound not as like intelligent with words, just mm. as a, just to like, because I f- I fear that it could be off putting, but at, sure. like that's just kind of how I am. <laughs> so no, no, it's it's all great. Which is fuck great. It. It's fuck. It's, it. Yeah, fuck. You know. Yeah. Uh, wanted to move on to the origin story situation. Can you give me a lowdown on 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 where you grew up and your creative upbringing? We we talked about it before we pressed the cord a little bit, but uh, yeah. yeah. The business. Um, I grew up in a town called Chetwind in British Columbia. It's also known as Little Prairie. Uh, it's like in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains in northern BC. Yeah. Um, when you're driving into town, it says, welcome to the peace country. It's like nestled at the foothills of the Rockies. That's where I get that explanation. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I grew up there and... Um, you know, 2,000 people town, very small, very supportive community, lots of great human beings there, mm-hmm. honestly. Thankful for my upbringing there, specifically because I feel like if I, the oversaturation and whatever else going on in the city, I don't know if I would have found music, but I think out of like mm. um, growing up, I grew up uh, with my mother, then with my father, then with my mother again, like so obviously two households and things. Yeah. But um, my biggest inspiration i my mom introduced me to music so young so i was like four maybe yeah I don't know. like i was in the womb listening to led zeppelin yeah and uh i don't know i i remember getting a green day dookie cassette tape around four or five and like uh you know i would always listen to that um I remember loving like Crocodile Rock by Elton John as a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember there's so many, but then when I just to be honest, when I discovered Blink 182 in like grade five, yeah, um, I like loved them so much. And then in high school, I was kind of like really into metal for a while. But then at the end of high school, I like got back into Blink, and I was like, these guys are such good songwriters. Actually, funny when I was like in grade six, I had the Mark, Tom, and Travis show or whatever the live CD Blink put out. Oh yeah, and they have a lot of like really like R-rated uh, banter between songs. Yeah, sure. And there's one where like um, uh, Mark says something to Tom about like uh, dog semen, and I remember <laughs> asking my stepmother like, "What's semen?" Because I had no idea because I was so young. Sure. It was so funny, honestly. <laughs> and then now, as, as I mean, she's like, what do you mean what's dog semen? And I'm like, I'm just curious. <laughs> like, imagine getting asked that as an adult from like yeah, a yeah. grade, just a little kid. Like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> yeah. How does he know what that is? You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. But uh, thank God for Blink, right? Yeah, I, I was never necessarily influenced by that scene, but um, so many of my friends are uh, just grew up in that, you yeah. know? Um, and, uh, you know, it's great. It's great to see like the, also the community behind it and the yeah. knowledge behind it. And such a, such like a, it's, it's, I don't want to say culty, but it's like, there's a big fandom around it, you yeah. know, and it's yeah. great. 
But yeah, so with the Violet Night origin, just like um, I'd been in several bands and I was considering doing like more of an acoustic kind of um, kind of like Coldplay-ish inspired um, solo project thing. Yeah. And my best friend TJ, who played synth and keys for us, he, he's been on a bit of a hiatus, like mental health stuff, but he's, yeah. he's coming back now. He's been a couple of years and he's like settled and everything's good. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, the bands that I were in kind of, you know, and I was always the guy that was like, I really want to do this actually. I really want to do this actually. Right. Come on. Like my brother was the drummer for all my first bands. Fantastic drummer. Just uh, had different interests long term. Yeah. And um He's now he's you know, doing very well for himself now. Um, but uh, yeah, so when I said to TJ, I was like, we should just do this together. Like we can hire different drummers, whatever. And then obviously Tay drums for us now. But um, TJ uh, just kind of took a leap of faith with me because he wanted to score films. And I was like, oh, we yeah. should just do a band, make music. Like I could do this solo thing or whatever. But for me, it was like there was never an option to not do it. Even, sure. even if it was just me, because like I feel like I have to do it. Like I can't not. During the pandemic, I considered quitting because I was like pursuing psychology in school, and right. um, I was like, I hate saying this quote because it's or not quote. Like it's like my my train of thought was pretty nihilistic, but I I felt like I was just waiting to get in the ground. Like it sucked the life out of me that much considering quitting music that I was like, oh like the Mark Twain quote that's like um, everybody dies at 27. They just don't get in the ground until they're 85 or something. Sure. And I felt like that really resonated with me. And I was like, everything fucking sucks. Everything feels gray. And um, mm. then during the pandemic, I did some co-writes with a guy named Aaron Allen. He's a lot of like top 40 country stuff. And nice. Um, I had been writing a lot and I showed him what I'd had. And he's like, these are awesome. And it totally like, and we just wrote together and it reignited the fire. And thank God yeah. for him because he got me back on the right track of like, get out of your own way. Yes. Yeah. I think as artists, um, too much introspection is unhealthy Mm -hmm. and the, and just, um, you know, we kind of can like bury ourselves and then not even, you can't like, it's so cliche, but you can't see the forest for the trees. You just like, don't realize how in the thick of it you are, you know? Yeah. You said a couple of times now, both on and off mic that you're, you're such a, a people guy. Um, and you love the connection between humans. Yeah. Um, you speak more about that and, and your connection with that writer and how it sort of it got you out of the weeds, let's say, mm. um, and, and how important, you know, just collaboration or just community is mm. for yourself. It's like it's everything. I mean, yeah. that's the thing is like when you're running a band, like with this band, I'm like the – the guy, you know, the crazy one that's like really wanting everything. To, you know what I mean? Like, there's every, no, no, yeah, there's every one band in every has fucking a guy. band. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. the guy that's nuts that will like go to the ends of the earth for this thing to work. Right. And <laughs> when you're in rooms with, because like not everybody in our band is like that. Yeah. Which is fine. They mm. don't have to be because I'll compensate. Sure. So it's okay. Yeah. But um, for me, it's just one of those things where it's like, the dynamic is really important and you kind of just know your role, you know, like, you yeah. know sure. what it is that you need to do. But yeah, for me, like the importance of community is that like the guys that produce this, this, uh, Ferrari red, Randor Lynn and Robbie Townsend, father, Bobby Townsend, he goes by those two, <laughs> those two produced half of the antiheroes record. Yeah. Um, like six out of the nine songs. And then, they produced one on Daydream Drama, and they produced Ferrari Red. And then for the for, for the next record, like for however many, 
the next singles, I imagine they will be behind it because I've known Randor for 12 years because he did one of my first like pop punk bands like forever ago when I was like a teenager. Yeah. And um, Robbie, I met through him. And the three of us have this synergistic like the what I love about those guys is what I'm trying to say is like I feel like Robbie is one of those guys. Um, and so is Randor, who could like 10 to 12 hours a day, write, record, do whatever, be so stoked. And I'm like that. Like I, I would not rather be in that kind of room, but I think it's important as an artist to remember that like, sometimes it's hard to like, cause not everybody's like that. Not everybody likes doing that. In fact, a lot of people find it insufferable. So <laughs> you have to find, if you can find creative commons, so, like the 1975 is one of my favorite bands. Yeah. And like, George and Maddie are particularly like that where they will just all day, every day. And that's, there's a reason that some bands are as good as that band is. And it's because they really honor the craft. And my friend, Craig Dahl is a really great session drummer um, in Edmonton. If you're in Edmonton, Craig, I'm just kidding. But he's, (laughs) he's a, no, he's a great human. And he said that to me is um, just talking about the future of Violet Night. And because we, we exchange ideas a lot. Yeah. And he was just saying how it's, um, it's, you know, it's, it's maybe it's, you know, not like really just like put the craft first, honor the craft and the rest comes. And that's kind of the, the found the principle of what we've kind of always ran with. Um, I feel for this band too, is like, just don't cut any corners. And, yeah. um, but yeah, having community to, for me, it's everything. Cause like, otherwise I would go insane. Having good friends to talk to other artists to inspire me, like, just doing co-writes even. I think some people are so ego-driven that they can't co-write, it seems. Like, yeah, some yeah, people sure. are, right, right? Like, 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 you know, they they need to be the guy. And to me, it's like, I am a culmination of all the producers and songwriters that I've ever met yeah. and to pick things up from. So thank God for them because I wouldn't be a quarter of what I am without the experience of their existence. And that's why you can be an egotistical piece of shit, but your art will suffer, in my opinion. Yeah. Sorry, but be nice to each other. And, like, there's always something to be learned from everybody that I've ever met. Like, there's always some sort of takeaway or some sort of thing that they can do better than me. You're not better, but, like, a different approach that, like, totally shifts the narrative in my head of, like, oh, wow, that's really great. And then you kind of, like, download that. You put it in the hard drive, and you're, like, Let's try to apply this to our own art going forward. Or I really admired what they were doing. I would love if I could, you know, and then you're inspired because working with great, talented people drives you to be better. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. Thanks. Uh, (laughs) um, Just because we're talking about the band, I'm going to move into that direction. Um, Can you take me through the history of the project? And we talked a little bit about its origins, but since the origins until sort of now and maybe going through some recorded projects, you know, mm. and live shows. Just want to talk about the band for the people also that don't know about the band. Sure. Including myself. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. you're new to Violet yeah. Night. You're yeah. going to get Violet Nighted right now. So <laughs> yeah. on one knee and I will, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So nice. we, we get Violent Night, like, angry a lot. Yeah. Which is a huge turnoff for me because I'm like, Violet, like the color pur- uh, purple, night like nighttime, whenever I tell people. Yeah. Otherwise, they will Google Violent Night, which unfortunately is a David Harbour movie now. <laughs> And I only know that because somebody went to our website, filled out the the mail forum, and it was a concerned mother. Why would you have like Santa in a movie shooting a gun and like all this shit? Because she'd seen the Harbor movie. It was sure. ridiculous. That's hilarious. Just yeah, I was like, oh my, like this is a new a new high for us. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. But no, um, 
Uh, if you haven't heard of our band yeah. yet or don't know us, um, I don't even know what to say. I hope that if if you check, so we have we had a first EP and a first record like Colors of You and I Hope You're Well, and a lot of people really love those too. Um, to me, they're just like us finding our voice and our footing. Yeah, and on I would say anything anti-heroes and post-anti-heroes is a really good reflection of us. But one thing. I think a lot of people will listen to like the most popular singles and be like, oh, they're like a hard rock alternative thing. And then if you listen to a song like Stay Golden, We're All the Same in the Dark, or Evergreen, or Super Bloom, or Glow, which sounds like very 1975 beachy, and those songs, I believe, are also very strong. It's kind of like, it's definitely an alternative project. Yeah. Um, really proud of it. I work insanely hard. Um on the songs and on the music and I'm eternally grateful when any, and when anybody cares, like I will chat anybody up whoever, you know, wants to chat music or work together or like, you know what I mean? Just stuff like that. I'm very, um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, the band and the future, like, uh, definitely full tank. Uh, definitely like not the type to ever throw in the towel. Um, just really driven to, uh, to succeed and to, um, I've always just believed like work ethic is, is really important. And I think if somebody else has something and is doing it and you want it and you're willing to put the work in, then you can get it, but it might take a while, but yeah. don't be diminished, you know, don't feel mm. defeated, just like keep working. And eventually everybody gets their deal. Like we were just talking about the beaches, you know what I mean? They've, they've yeah. obviously had some success for quite a while now, but like now they're really thriving and it's like, that's awesome. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's about time. You know yes, what I mean? yeah. And that that's the kind of thing that um, I like to see personally because it's like, uh, there's so many memes where it's like, you know, you're just about like success and then you're just about like right at the precipice of like blowing up. Yeah, yeah. And then you quit. Yes. And it's like, um, I considered quitting, like I said, and it was mm. miserable. So it will not be something that ever happens again. Like, yeah. I just, yeah, I, it's, I need to do it. And so, yeah. Um, that's that's how I feel. yeah and and I said like if if you check out Violet Night and you like it awesome come yeah, to yeah. a show come say hi whatever you yeah. know but about the shows mm-hmm. how would you describe Violet Night shows I don't know it depends what kind of mood I'm in sure <laughs> sure 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 like sometimes I'll I'll tell more jokes or like not tell jokes like do stand up but like I uh, I would say like. We try to make it kind of cinematic, a bit theatrical. Like, we take nods from bands that we really love, you know? Yeah. We have, uh, you know, certain interludes. Everything, I t- try, try to make it as vulnerable and exciting as you can while mm. still having some theatrics involved, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's so many tropes that I think are becoming overdone by live bands now that it's kind of like, well, how do we reinvent or reapproach this in a way that somebody else isn't? Because... Um, like I was talking about earlier, like the the effects of, you know, dopamine, whatever, from a certain thing, whatever artist is, you, lessons, you have to find new ways to like reinvent the wheel, so to speak, with a live show yeah, to give something to people that they haven't seen. Or, I mean, just perform like, I have seen bands where they perform and it's like, there's nothing crazy theatrical going on or anything, but it's like, it's just they're in like that flow state where it's like, they're not thinking you can tell. And it's just like, it's, it's an experience. It's yeah. like an ethereal thing. Like Jack White does that when he plays, it's like he's channeling something through that guitar. That is, is, is an experience. It's yeah. not uh, calculated, you know, let's talk about the, uh, the new single Ferrari red. 
um, can you speak to the can you speak to the song? What is it, it's about and all that stuff? You were t- you tell me before uh, we were we press record as well, but uh, yeah. So yeah, the song for the new the new single. Really excited about this. Um, yeah, more excited than I've been about a single. Well, I, every release you always think is your best. Otherwise, you wouldn't put it out. Sure. Um, and but I love this song. I love the visuals. I love the sonics. I love the team. The team with this song, my favorite like produced production team. One of my best friends in the world um, played drums on it as well. Nice. Um, Tay was on tour with the broadside, so we hired uh, one of my good session friends, uh, Joel Payne, to do session stuff. And nice. We, you know, one of my best buds, so it's nice to have him on the track. My little sister is on the track. Fantastic, and, yes, and, yeah. And if you listen very closely at the end, you can hear, like, a squeak or something. Okay. And that's my 18-year-old cat, Willie, who is, like, my son. <laughs> and I love him so much that I had to put him on the song. Yeah. So yeah. now if you watch this, that's, like, an Easter egg for you. Like, what is that noise? Yeah. But, no, super stoked. I kind of view the song as, like, it's a bit of a satire. Mm. It's, like... You know how American Psycho is it Christian Christian Bale, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it's like a satire on like that kind of thing. Yeah, this is like a satire or a farce on people that value money over every other thing in the world. Yeah, sure, sure. Like I've heard stories from friends that work in the industry about like you know, uh, example, uh, a guy is uh, having a baby. His wife is pregnant. Mm. Her water is broke. He has to stop by the bank, like the he works at some corporate bank, and go upstairs do something quick talk to a whoever then drive her to the hospital it's like i think your priorities might be backwards but it's (laughs) it's kind of it kind of alludes to like i mean i could go deep on it there's so many yeah yeah please there's so much sentiment in this song so like um when there's a lyric that's like um don't you know i think i'm cool uh i'm not lying to you my wallet's made from king k rule so King K. Rule is an alligator. Yes. He's the arch nemesis of Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah. uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine bought me a very expensive wallet uh, made out of alligator skin. It's in my bag right now. Yeah. Don't steal my wallet. But what I'm <laughs> saying, so um, what's what's funny about that, though, is like she was a sweetheart. God, like she's honestly a great human being. Like nothing bad to say, obviously. Yeah. But we had had a conversation about that kind of stuff beforehand mm. where I, like, and I think it must've went right over her head because I was like, Oh, I've never really bought into that kind of thing. Like spending $600 on a wallet or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Cause it just, and then lo and behold, a few weeks later and I was like, Hmm. So that was, you know, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Or like, um, there's another line that's like, there's a Ruby on my teeth. It might look like blood, but trust me, baby, I don't bleed. Um, Mick Jagger infamously had a Ruby implanted on one of his incisors. And people must took it for blood all the time until right. they got a diamond. So it's like it's kind of that kind of that vibe where it's like, no matter what you do, this is going to sound dark, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> no matter what you do, you will this thing that you're you're piloting ends up in an oblong box or on somebody's mantelpiece as a fine powder. So fuck off with the bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, what do you? And then, then, then the whole sure. the whole culmination is: what are you going to do? Get a Ferrari red coffin? Like, come on! You know, right. that's the point of the song. Right, right. And I would laugh when I listened to it because I was like, "This is so cheeky. I love it. It's so me." Yeah, yeah. that's great. You were saying um, that you shot a music video yesterday. Yeah. Um, for this song. Yeah. 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 Is it, so this comes out on February twentieth. 
Yeah, the song's out right now. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and we're 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 recording this like basically a month before, yeah. but um, can you talk about the music video? Yeah, we were working with um, Connor Scheffler. Okay. Super cool guy. Um, his name is also Connor, so I just right away <laughs> had to hire him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, imagine I didn't like the video, but I was just so like rose-colored glasses over the name similarity. <laughs> like I was that simple. Um, no, he's a great guy, really cool dude, really hard worker, really great with videos, and I just love a lot of the work he's done, and I reached out, and he was super stoked on the song. Yeah. Um, Shout-outs to his assistant who was working with us yesterday, Caroline. She was also, like, amazing. Mm. I- I've been, like, done, you know, lots of videos and stuff, and uh, I feel like it was the most, like, the warmest and most inviting kind of vibe on a set ever. Oh, yeah. Like, just really personable, so... Young artists out there, he's uh, he's great to hit up yeah. if you're wanting somebody that, you know. Yeah, but yeah, the video is, uh, I play three different roles, judge, jury, executioner. So, like, oh, yeah. I'm driving the car as a killer, kind of, and I, I'm in the trunk as, like, a, a kind of, like, a rich asshole. Sure. Right? And then I'm also the grave digger. Okay. And uh, as I showed you, I've got that really cool uh, Ferrari red jumpsuit that we yeah. designed, like, with the Connor name tag and stuff. Yeah, so... And then um, one thing I learned is that when the ground is frozen, it is very hard to dig. That's what I learned on set yesterday (laughs) is that this fucking sucks. Like, you know, but otherwise it was awesome. Um, Cool. And then we're actually, we're shooting more scenes next weekend. We rented a church for some more additional stuff. Okay. Well, it's out for the people that are listening to this now. So, so, so please go check it out. Um, Ferrari read the song, but also the music video. So check it out. Um, you were talking about the importance of like vibing on set. Mm. How, how important is that, and how does it change the sort of the music video I or think it for you? I think it's like making yeah. a record. Like I, I went and worked with a bunch of different producers before coming back to the the people that produced this song, that um, like Randor Lynn and uh, Rob, Robbie Townsend. Like it feels like home. Yeah, and working with them and having such a positive experience, like. I'm a guy that thinks like every single decimal point of a percentage with the project matters. So like yeah, yeah, yeah. every little bit of that energy, like it's tangible. Like there's things that we can't explain with science. So we kind of scoff at them, but I think they're, they're real. Like, you know what I mean? And um, I think by having such a positive experience on set, you know, that translates visually having such a positive experience in the studio that translates in the audio. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it just feels like, it's the best representation of where the band is and where we're going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's really cool for me to yeah, be a part of. Fantastic. No, I totally agree with the, with the vibe and, and honestly on tour because yeah, touring sucks if the vibe isn't right. Um, and you know, we've talked about this so many times on the podcast, but it's, uh, if you're on the road and you're spending 23 hours a day off stage, that vibe off stage better be right. And it's yeah. the same thing in the music video and, and, and what you're saying about the studio because it impacts the performance. It impacts sort of the creative output. Um, so, no, it's great. Um, when artists are sensitive. Artists yes. are so sensitive, oh, so yeah. empathetic, so generally very compassionate. But it's like we all got our shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And just, like, lean on each other instead of ripping each other apart and we'll be okay. Yeah. How does an indie band sort of pull off the whole music video vibe? Oh, I mean, it varies. I think, like, a lot of what's going on now is, like, really... I think it's cooler, almost. Mm. Like, 
I think less is more in a lot of aspects. Yes, I think yeah. people want authenticity. You know what I mean? And even if it's not like perfect, people love real right now. Yeah. Because we've been so hit over the head with like, you know, just uh, things that are inauthentic that other people think will sell. You know what I mean? Mm. Like we've kind of been sold a lot of ideas that are concocted ideas and not, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So it's like, it's nice to have that authenticity. And I think with an indie band, you know, you're getting just that, right? Right. Yeah. And so I guess where I I tie it together as well is like being authentic doesn't need to be expensive. So it's more accessible. True. I mean, we didn't, we did film this with like, you know, Connor's great, obviously. Yeah. But finding somebody who, if you propose a budget and can work within that and still capture a great vision. Yeah. Because as we know, like I said, with full music videos, they're kind of, they're hit and miss as far as like, but a 30 second clip or a 20 second clip, like you can get 5 million views playing ukulele in front of a sink full of dirty dishes. You know what I mean? <laughs> Seriously. Like, yeah, and, then, and, then, and then a label will sign you. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, I'm sure you know the... Everybody knows the Gale story, the ABC. Yes, yeah. You know, it was concocted, the whole... But, I mean, it's a great song. But yeah, it's like... I think it's sad that, like, you kind of have to go... Like, some labels will make somebody go viral before putting them out. Yeah. It's yeah. like needle in a haystack energy just onto the... Cr- I think good things bring in good things. Mm. Yeah, shout out Gale. <laughs> yeah, shout out Gale. Where are you at, Gale? Where is Gale is here. Yeah. Hey, Gale. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> just, just fucking choke. Yeah. Just so pissed. What's What's unfortunate though about 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 that stuff is that like the ABCDEFU song. Um, you know, you see online. She, I'm pretty sure she was opening for Billie Eilish at one point mm. a few years ago, and it's like the whole crowd is just turned off by the whole show until that chorus. Yeah. And that's in that last song. You know. And they know the 20 seconds of it. And yeah. it's like, and like some of them don't even recognize the intro in the first verse. Yeah. Like she, type vibe. Yeah. Then she's yeah. getting her dopamine fix from the chorus. Like for, as an artist perspective. Yeah. That's like what we talked about honoring the craft. And it's yes, like, yeah. you, you have to honor the craft because I don't know. Look at, look at you. Have you heard a sleep token? Have you seen no. this? No. So they're a British band. Okay. They're all like in their early thirties now and they wear masks. So, and all their identities are anonymous, but you can Google them. Right. And they're, they're a band who, they just had Massey Hall tickets go on sale. Yeah. And they sold out in like 30 seconds. Resale is like $1,000. Crazy. Like they're, they're, and they're more like hard rock alternative slash metal, but it's more like alternative hard rock for sex. Like it's sexy. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know how to explain that. I actually that. don't know what a you girl, mean, but girl, yes. A girl at the gym yeah. said that to me. Shout out Cindy. She, I hope you watch this. She'll be so stoked if she her up. But she was like, yeah, it's like like hard rock metal that you can like, you know, fuck to. And I was like, she's like, that's why all the girls like it. Because it's their song, The Summoning, blew up on TikTok. But so I listened to their record, yeah. um, their latest record, which is called Take Me Back to Eden. To see what all the buzz was about. Because they're sure. like, they're massive right now. Yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah. the lore is insane. And um, <laughs> you got to check it out. But I what I love is that, like, it's progressive. Like, the songs are fucking eight minutes. And people, like, it's got, Wild. like, 50 million plays on Spotify. Or so, yeah, like, yeah. 100 million. You know what I mean? It's like, that's awesome. Like, yeah. it's, it's that's the craft, right? And so yeah. a lot of these guys, 
You can look at the singer from that band who's massive now. They just played Wembley. They sold out Wembley. Oh, my gosh. Like, that's how big they are. That's crazy. And it's like the singer, you can see he's in a, a band called Blacklit Canopy, like 2014 era, 2013. Okay. Like, so it's a decade ago. Yeah. And he's doing, like, an acoustic set with this girl on piano because that's what that band is. Right. And, like, there's, you know, probably 20, 30 people in the room. But it's like all of them started playing in bands in, like, 06, 07. But right. they never gave up. And even then, it's like they were signed to Spine Farm, I think, like, what, 2017, 18, maybe? Okay. I mean, take this. You can Wikipedia this. I'm roughly estimating. Yeah. But still, they never gave up on themselves. And now it's like, can I, like, okay. I have a friend, a friend of a friend, who knows, for example. Yeah. Can I, like, can, okay, I don't know if we have to edit this out. But, like, I know how, like. The person who, no, because it deals with their merch and how much they sold, like, first week. I probably shouldn't say that on air. You can give a rough, rough estimate, like, but, uh, just like a... But I know, because I know the person. Just, or just, they sold a lot of merch? Yeah, so, like, I mean, <laughs> they sold, like, a ridiculous, like, the amount of merch they're selling and money they're making yeah. is, like, astounding. Right. It's astounding. And right. it, it's awesome. Because yeah. it's, like, they probably... Prior to this explosion, I mean, it's like mother, mother. They've been huge for a long time, but the TikTok thing—have you seen that with them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kudos. Like, um, who else is big right now? You got Purity Ring out of Edmonton blowing yeah. up as well. Yeah. Um, oh, the girls, the beaches. Yeah, the beaches. Prime TikTok, example. Yeah. Social media sort of blew them up. Um, any tips? Just, just to sort of conclude this segment here. Any tips for young bands that are starting? Very general. Uh. If one of you's got a crippling drug problem, get clean. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so horrible, hey? <laughs> no, uh, just, just kidding. Yeah, yeah, just kidding. Don't get clean. Just kidding. Start start using with your friend. Um, no, dude. I fucking I'm so fucking dumb. Okay, how do we? Let's let's let's, let's, just, let's just, Is it great? Yeah, if you have, get help. Get help. Well, no, because like then you just become a dysfunctional fuckery of like pill popping uh, sure. and coke snorting. Yeah. Um, I will say this: if anybody's now got this conception of me that i'm like into that shit i've been straight edge for a decade okay no drugs no alcohol just fucking bananas that's about as crazy as it gets over here <laughs> yeah. pretty fucking boring anyway um but no i think for young bands um to quote the great rick rubin is uh if you make art for yourself and make it for you not for the audience you're only gonna gonna win and i think that is it's said by somebody who's obviously very significant for a reason because that that's how the best things are going to come about. If you try to create for an audience, you're never going to shape or influence culture in any way because you're just pandering and doing something that's been done. Yeah. If you look at all the innovative artists of our time, they know how to sh- shape shift with, with the times, but they also reinvent the wheel. And like reinvent themselves. Yeah. One of my favorite examples is that uh, is David Bowie. You're familiar, Barry? Of course. Yeah. Do you know him? Do you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. As though you don't know who he is. Yeah. But like you had 70s, like Ziggy Stardust, yeah. brilliant era. Then like in the 80s, Let's Dance, Modern Love, um, Blue Jean. He he adapted. Then like the 90s, I'm Afraid of Americans. Like even when he was dying, like with Lazarus, like yeah. he, he very much, his life was a demonstration of art. And we were fortunate enough to experience it. Yeah. But, he had the 70s thing nailed. He could have kept doing that, but um, bands that are resistant to change die. 
Bands that don't try new things die. Bands that put the same record out too many times die. You need to uh, embrace new things, experience new things, be it culture, art, film, whatever. And uh, and that will just make you richer as an artist. Like as divisive as somebody like Kanye could be. Like when he went on SNL years ago and did Black Skinhead with like the the mask. It was just like, yeah. it's, a, it's an art performance. And it's like, this is weird and visceral, but... That's how culture is shaped, not by playing it safe. Yeah. Talk about, uh, you know, culture, visuals, and influences. Um, just looking at your personal and band's profile over the last little bit. What vibe do you get? Um, well, <laughs> honestly, I was just I just wanted to talk to you about, like, influences and culture, and, and you, you speak to it right now. Yeah. Um, uh, especially, I, yeah, I just wanted to talk about just influences and what you're sort of looking at uh, and... Um, What's shaping your current creative output? Um, like what the goal is, the benchmark kind of thing. Maybe the benchmark, but also just things that you like and things that you think influence your creative output. Like I'm, I'm reading a bunch right now. You know, I love like I love TV. I love movies. Like I just wanted to talk about just very general because I also don't know you that well mm. or not at all, really. Yeah. So I just wanted to just have a little hang. Yeah, yeah. Um, we them boys. We, we them boys for sure. Um, so yeah, so what's like, what's, what, are you, what are you checking out right now? Um, like any, any, for me, like significantly inspiring author, it would be like Chuck Palahniuk, like Invisible Monsters, okay. Lullaby. Um, we actually share the same birthday gang. Kind of cool. <laughs> um, I, I know this is so cliche, but I, and this is going to sound like one of my friends was like, fuck. When I told him I was reading it, he's like, fuck that book and fuck Rain Maida. Um, Rain made up, obviously, from Our Lady Peace. Uh, J- Jack Kerouac's On the Road. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah this yeah. is a different, but he's like, he's like, yeah, like, just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Shout out to that friend. Craig Dahl. Just kidding. Drop his name. <laughs> now he's fucking, now he's in the chat. He's like, this guy is such an idiot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, <laughs> imagine Rain made up, meets Craig Dahl, fights him. Um, yeah, be, 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 a, be a situation. But, no, for me, what's inspiring is artists that, um, that's why I love albums is because it allows you to have the creativity to like, I love how 21 pilots, like I'm not like the number one fan, but I think they're great. And it's yeah. like, they had the blurry face era, which was like this artistic thing or like my chem had eras. It's an all encompassing artistic thing. Or like, I don't know. I love how I love the anonymity of a band like Slipknot, the jumpsuits, mm. stuff like that is kiss. Cool. Kiss. Uh, <laughs> okay, no. Okay. <laughs> I, at first I'm like, pro- probably not. Just kidding. Yeah. This guy's like Detroit Rock City shirt is on. He's <laughs> yeah. like, well, fuck you then. Just covers it. I'm just kidding. Uh, just, I never think of masks and anonymity. I think about Kiss for some reason. Yeah. Well, they did good with it. But yeah, yeah no, I mean, what kind of visually am I inspired by? Like movies and stuff? I yeah, see- any films, any like, because I saw a Simpsons cartoon situation on, on your story the other day. Fuck. I've been had. You can't say like <laughs> you, well. I just I love The Simpsons. Yeah, I love King of the Hill. Yeah, yeah. I love I love when I watch movies or shows. A lot of the time, it's to like decompress and escape from my brain, and mm. well, I like to laugh. Yeah. Um. Those those ones are more of a creature comfort, but also they are hilarious. Um, yeah, yeah. If I sit down to watch something, because it's me, anybody who knows me would be like, it's probably got to do with like consciousness like spirituality mm. aliens psychology yeah uh, all that kind of shit i'm super fascinated by like existentialism the uh our existence this conversation um yeah. uh ndes like near-death experiences I, I i'm really into weird shit like that like yeah, that yeah. 
any any unanswerable thing I'm interested in. Anything right. sure. with a bit of mystery like that, I love. Yeah. Um, for films, I really like. I don't know. I think The Dark Knight with like Heath Ledger, Chris. I know it's like very like it's very, but it's it's one of the best. I've probably yeah. seen that a hundred times. Um, uh, my my favorite film of all time is Shawshank Redemption. Oh yeah, no no question. Um, but I'm a pretty big film guy. Like yeah, I, yeah. as well. But when I'm unwinding, it's yeah, Simpsons stuff like that. You remind me of the main character that in Shawshank. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say of The Simpsons. I was like Homer. <laughs> Homer. Uh, yeah. Wait, do you think I look like Tim Robbins? Yeah, I've uh, so. I put up a poll, and I've gotten Tim Robbins a lot. Yeah. Um, Taylor Kitsch. Taylor Kitsch, Tim Robbins, Dylan O'Brien. And there was a bunch. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was another. Okay, yeah. But, uh, but Tim Robbins, for sure. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Me, me, <laughs> yeah. Me, so uh, me and all of my brilliance, uh, I have this poll, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, uh, who was another one? Because I did Connor's a face. poll. Connor's poll. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, girl. Girl, we got it. Um. Uh, so yeah, basically I did this poll, Connor's poll, and uh, which is a an innuendo for another thing, totally. <laughs> but um, sure. uh, basically, I did a face uh, analyzer thing. Like it's not oh, like yeah. TikTok or something. It was actually like pretty legit seeming, as legit as the internet gets. And it did <laughs> give me eight faces that looked very similar sure. to mine. I think Tim Robbins is probably the closest, in my opinion, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a mi- amalgamation of them, but. Um, you get a little rock hammer with you or something? Yeah, yeah, You're just always chiseling. Yeah, 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 fucking sick. Yeah, yeah. I walk through band practice <laughs> and I like have like cement rocks coming out of my pant leg. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck are you doing? Just kidding. This guy's an idiot. It's a giant hole in the wall. You're not getting the damage deposit back, you moron. You just like, you put a poster up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great movie though. Hey? Oh, man. It's so perfect. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil the ending, but it's like perfect front to back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You for know those, you, for those who haven't seen Shawshank. Yeah, wake the fuck up. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah. But you know that well, but you know that like that movie flopped when it came out. Yeah, it's crazy. It tanked. But Frank Darabont directed it. He's also he ended up directing like, the first few seasons of The Walking Dead, which were also Oh movies. yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, you know Morgan Freeman? <laughs> you yeah. Motherfucker. yeah, like do you know who that is? <laughs> yeah. You should. He yeah. should narrate the intro to this, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But um no Shawshank. No, great. So back sorry, we're getting lost in the woods. No, it's it is honestly it's the type of conversation I want to have. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So but I put a picture uh of a meerkat up against all these actors and the people <laughs> that follow me, lovely as they are, pick the fucking meerkat to win the whole thing. <laughs> so now there's this ongoing like meerkat thing, and I do kind of resemble a meerkat. I you know, it lives in the ground and um <laughs> whatever. Sure. But no. Uh Dylan Dylan O'Brien technically won for some reason, but I I, I would I think I look more like Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Tim Robbins. Mix. Yeah. But then I was getting, I put up this thing the other day, giving an explanation of this face pull. We're going to have another one sometime this year to really bury the hatchet on this <laughs> because I fucking just, I'm so yeah. people were it's an event. Well, people didn't understand. Like some people didn't get it that I was like, Oh, like he's saying that this is what his face looks like or whatever. He's asking us to do the poll again. And like right. they were replying like Taylor Kitsch was one that was popular or like number two, Tim Robbins, whatever. Right, like, right. 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 You guys don't fucking get it. We'll just have to run this back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So people, for the people listening, listen you gotta, to Violet Knight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. God damn it. <laughs> but also follow Connor because yeah. you got to be a part of this poll. Yeah. Um, 
uh, on the on the on the face comparisons. Yeah. Um, oh, it's just the ba- It's like everything to me. Those polls just yeah. getting more big, more important than the releases of music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I spend. Yeah. Speaking of, you want to speak about Instagram for a minute? You know what? I just sure, want to, please. Just an anecdote, like yeah. Lately, when I'm traveling, commuting, whatever, I've been really cognizant of like how often like everybody in every room is so disconnected on the phone mm. that I've really been like trying to not. And do you ever feel like that when you like go out to like a place and like how like. I don't know. It's just, um, do you ever read uh, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley? Yeah. Great book, huh? Yeah. Uh, in high like, school. Stuff like, <laughs> well, stuff like that is inspiring too, though, right? Yeah, like, There's yeah, a yeah. reason that it's a classic. Um, but I just found, like, we are kind of obsessed with the thing that's killing us in a way. It's kind of what mm. he alluded to, I think. And, like, I mean, 1984 had a, a totally different narrative where it was, like, it was going to control us. But now, like, we are kind of, like, um, you know, in that book, he talks about how love, man loves, or man, humankind, rather. Yeah. Either way, loves being distracted. We love to be distracted, regardless of what it's with. And now I think it's like the ultimate form has arrived. I guess for me, it's yeah. just like, I love being present. And mm. um, no matter how many times you refresh your feed, Instagram stories, TikTok reels, whatever, I guarantee you that the conversation waiting to happen in the room you're in is probably better than what you're going to get when you refresh. It yeah. just might take a little longer to get to that point. Yeah. What do you think is like the next like thing after TikTok? After TikTok. I've been thinking about that lately. Like, how are they going to refine it further to like <laughs> break the dopamine receptors even more? Because like this yeah. won't last forever. Instagram didn't last forever. I mean, it's still popular because Reels have made a resurgence. And I think yeah. I prefer Instagram because. Same here. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, I don't know, something about it. Just visual. Feels, yeah. I, I feel like it's a visual medium and TikTok is just like. Blast in your face, medium. Also, like, it really varies with TikTok. It seems like a lot of a lot of success does translate, but then some yeah. don't. Like, I've got friends that have had millions of likes on stuff and lots of views, and then their um, their streaming slash sales numbers aren't as good. But then some are reflective, right? It right. really seems to hit and miss. Yeah. But I don't know. As for, as for what's next, it's gonna be an even faster way to hit the sweet spot. Yeah. It has to be because that's, if you look at trajectories, which is pretty easy to observe with this whole situation is that's, that's the direction we're heading. Mm. And it's, I think it's damning like for art forms like the novel or the film. I mean, film and television and series, I would say film is kind of in a, in between right now. I think series are in like, they're in a good, a good place. Yeah. Because, you know, the money that they can allocate to make great series is good. The actors, the writing. Film is in a tricky place. <laughs> the writing, now it's in a good place, yeah. Yeah, the writing wasn't, obviously. Yeah. I mean, kudos to them for holding on, obviously, you know, as yeah. we, as creatives know. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Bruce Willis just sold his likeness for mm. millions of dollars. That's so when AI, because... <laughs> it's it, wild. It's... F- I mean, Bruce is not in a good place right now, but... I mean, it's probably he's got broker's aphasia, mm. which is, uh, yeah, it's uh, very unfortunate. Yeah, he's not very old, mm. really. When in the context of like you know, I mean, Ray Kurzweil from Google said w- when we hit the singularity, people won't have to die, and he thinks that within ten to fifteen to twenty years, we'll hit the singularity. You know, if you, <laughs> if you, you know the singularity, I, I know, I briefly know the concept, but please, please go ahead for our listeners at home. Yeah, <laughs> get the popcorn. Yeah, and the tinfoil hat. No, yeah. no, this is not a conspiracy. <laughs> Um, not a conspiracy at all. It's just that once we engineer and create AI that yep. has 
median level of human intelligence. It will endlessly quantify its own intelligence. And in the split second that happens, uh, everything will change forever. They, basically, some people have said it's akin to like society evolving 20,000 years, 100,000 years in a blink. Because it's like we have the ability to learn as humans, and we tend to. Mm. And once we teach a robot to do that, and it's, it's computing, teaching itself yeah. at the speed of light forever, indefinitely, like, and just repeating, it's, imagine where that gets us. That's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> but what does it say? Like when you hear, you know, you hear Kurt Cobain singing certain songs on like, uh, I've heard like people do using AI. I just heard like um, Drops of Jupiter with James mm. Hetfield from Metallica singing it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's so sick because he even goes, yeah, and shit <laughs> yeah. like that throughout yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, so funny. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, what's next? Because that's yeah. just a human doing that for funsies. But when AI can do it, what happens to creatives? And I think people will prefer something that has the spiritual component that only humans can offer. Mm, like yeah. there's something to be said about, but then if it, if AI can like truly embody the tortured artist or the happy artist or whatever, then, and it can do it faster. I mean, there's AI influencers right now. There's an AI only fans. Have you heard about this? No. So obviously like, I'm, I'm not sub to it. I just was on a podcast I was listening to. Right. And the guy's like, people are going crazy over this, paying money, and it's all AI. Like her, it's crazy. Her videos. Her yeah, yeah, yeah. Interaction wow. with fans. But it looks real. It's yeah. like a deep fake, and deep fakes are getting really damning as well. Mm. For, for I mean, um, about four, three or four years out of university now, but um, at the end of university, it was we were we were talking about this, this AI artist I believe in Asia mm. was this 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 artist that was just like basically a cartoon mm. on, on, on a screen, and that people were paying hundreds of dollars to go see this artist perform, mm. but it was just them on a screen kind of thing. It's like no, um, those yeah yeah. Anyway, it just it, it just makes me think about like just like you're saying about the create like how it'll affect creativity and and creative output. And I, I I do believe in humans in regards to. They w- like we will sort of prioritize human sort of output. Uh, I think, hope. Do you, you think know? we'll have legislation to protect us? I hope so. You know, like like so. you can't you like the one guy uh, is an AI artist. Can't remember his name, but he's Grammy nommed. Right, and it's like, and it's like, no, it's the song that he did and with Drake. Drake in the weekend. Yeah, yeah Grammy yeah, nommed, yeah, yeah. I believe. Right, which is insane. oh, I didn't know it was Grammy. I thought it, was, crazy, it might yeah. not be, but I I remember reading that it was. I could be wrong. Yeah, Obviously, fact check, please. But if it is, it shouldn't be. Yeah, because and this is coming out after the Grammys, actually. Yeah, is it this this episode? Oh, yeah, swag. Yeah, I so if it won, yeah, that's crazy. Be, yeah, very unhappy if it won. Yeah. Yeah, I think there should be legislation to protect creators and artists. Otherwise, what incentive do we have? I mean, yeah. O- oftentimes, though, the incentive is not financial. As you, it, like yeah. the, the the incentive is to to make s- like, like I said, like I have to do it, regardless of one or a million people are listening. It's like that's the incentive. Yeah, it's a it's it's so important in forming identity for humans, for for artists especially. Such a key component, and um, one of my good friends, Craig, said that during the pandemic. He was like, yeah, I feel like I've lost my sense of identity. Mm. And then getting it back, now that he's doing gigs and stuff with session drumming, he feels like he's back to where he belongs, you know, back to being on stage, playing, recording, whatever. Yeah. All my all my friends in that in that world, so. But, um, yeah, it's... No, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty wild, and um, something to think about, for sure, for, uh, for, for myself, yourself, and, and, and the people at home, you know? <laughs> um, well, the Gorillas did it really well. 
But yeah, that's different. Sure. Damon Albarn is like Blur. He's also the Gorillas. I, they're yeah. they're sick. Yeah, yeah, totally. We're Blur's sick. coming back too. Yeah, that new yeah. record is good. Yeah. Um, what are you looking forward to this year? Just to wrap to wrap the pod, really. Um, lots. Honestly, there's a lot of things that we just started working with. I'm not gonna like name people. We've been working with really good people. Yeah. And uh, I'm really excited to see where that goes. There's a lot of cool opportunities and cool things coming down the pipe. Mm. Um, and like I said early on in the podcast, I'm just really grateful. Really grateful when anybody in the industry even hears our stuff and reaches out, like, and it's affected them in some way. Because yeah. it's, like, awesome. Yeah, like, that great. is very nice to know. Um, but, yeah, no, for us this year, it's really just pushing this song um, re- as hard as we can, doing mm. what we can to support it. Um, probably playing some shows, maybe some festivals, maybe yeah. international. We're not really there's there's obviously things uh, you know forming, so it's like you kind of yeah, and um, pushing more singles in the future after this one has its its uh, you know nice long stretch in the sun, and uh, kind of just seeing where we where we end up. Um, yeah, I, I, I uh, like I said, I'd love to cut a record, but yeah, what's the dream? So right now, as it stands, yeah, I will prop like I would love to do music full time. I would yeah. love to be touring. I would it's hard, like I love anonymity. Yeah. Where like if the people from the national, they just you know, when they were here they played Bud Stage, sold it out. Those guys could walk into a Tim's, no issue. They could yeah, walk yeah, into yeah. a mall, no issue. Bieber, I don't. I never would want that kind of fame myself. Like right. that kind of celebrity, I think to have a passionate, very ardent fan base that really just loves what you do, yeah, really connects, and you know it's sincere and genuine, and you feel something else there where mm. it's not just like a very superficial and celebrity vibes. Like yeah, that's yeah. never really been me. Yeah, um, because then you have to live like an alien on your own planet. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But so that's the dream for me. And if I don't do music full time, like I'm very obviously dedicated to it, um, then I would work. Um, my plan is to work half the year as a registered psychologist, right? And then half the year, uh, because that would, af- it's yeah, that would afford me the money to do whatever I want. But that being said, shout out to the Canadian grant system. Shout out to everything. Shout out to people who buy stuff still. Whatever. There's a lot of. There's a lot of things that really help artists, but those are the two alternatives is like one is self-fund until the thing funds itself. Yeah. Like no either way, it will eventually become the full-time thing because I I think if you want something enough and you just don't give up, then that will become the reality. Like yeah. I know this is like an old adage or not adage, but it's something that's been said often. I mean, acting is a similar field to art, the arts with entertaining music. Yeah. But Morgan Freeman didn't get cast till he was 40. Yeah, yeah. Right, and that's a very well-known fact, and it's like... And then he did Shawshank. Then he did Shawshank, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The best film of all time, hello. And then he played God and Bruce Almighty, and hello. Connor was in Shawshank. And I was in Shawshank. Andy Dufresne, hello. My, my, um... Yeah, I never killed my wife in that movie. And we found that out in the movie, and then the fucking Warren... Kills the guy who knows too much. <laughs> Spoiled. Don't even watch yeah. it now. But no, um, 
Another one is like Bon Iver releasing Skinny Love at 31 or 32. Yeah. And he got really sick. He holed up in a cabin with a $180 microphone and a piece of shit guitar yeah. he made for Emma forever ago. And he shifted the narrative. He added something new. And I love, I love Bon Iver. Um, Same. So good, right? Yeah, yeah. One of my favorites. I remember seeing him play like on the II tour. Did you go to Scotia for that? Or? No. It was so. But I haven't seen him live yet. <sighs> it's crazy. You got what I love is like he's like in his forties now, whatever. Yeah. You come, you see him play very artistic, very brilliant music to a room full of like sixteen, seventeen thousand people. Yeah. And it's a testament to like good art will prevail. Yeah. So don't give up on it and don't sell yourself short of doing what you want because that's what he did and look where it got him. Yeah. You know? Hey, everybody. We are back with uh, with Connor Pohl. It's the uh, 55th episode of the Cloud Machine Podcast. Uh, again, this is coming out in February, mid-February, um, but uh, we're, we're in January recording this, so... I'm saying hello to uh, to the future right now, basically. Um, of music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Just so fucking conceited. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> shit. <laughs> this guy's an asshole. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm, uh, but maybe. I, I'm, I'm pretty, you know. Listen I, to Ferrari Red. Listen right? to Ferrari Red. What are you doing here? Yeah. Um, Loop it while you sleep. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Audio off. Yeah. Um, for those of you who haven't uh, sort of checked out this podcast before, we play a couple games. Um, and this week uh, on the pod, it's the Dream Fest game. Uh, for those who don't know what the Dream Fest game is, I basically asked the guest uh, to program an evening of a festival and uh, see sort of where it goes. I asked them where, uh, who, sorry, who the headliner would be, who would open for them uh, as a second headliner, and then who would be the opener, so three acts. Um, where this festival would happen, when it would happen during the year, the attendance of the festival. Is it an intimate festival or is it a rager in Rio or whatever? Um, and now if, if if the festival only has like one thing to drink or <laughs> one thing to eat, uh, what would what, what what that would be? So um okay. <laughs> so <laughs> Mirror with Connor Paul on the Dream Fest game. Uh, Connor, what should what should you go? Who's uh, and I I open the door to sort of. You don't need to start with a headliner. Yeah, this is really and, hard. Do people struggle with this often? Like just like to not struggle, but like uh, there's so many options. Yeah, there are so many options. Um, we can take a little bit of time as well and sort of just should go I, through should it. Should I make it funny? You, you can make it whatever you'd like. I mean, my dream festival. Who would be playing? Three acts. And uh, I'll, I'll, honestly, I'll open it to uh, Alive or Dead. Dead or Alive. <laughs> alive or Dead. I mean, Dead makes it so much more alluring because mm. it's an act that you can't see unless you're playing the game. <laughs> sure. So if you had... So, like, <laughs> I'll play two versions of sure. the headliners. One version is for the meme. One version is for me. The meme, you'd have Limp Biscuit, Kid Rock, <laughs> and uh, who else? Who would open for Kid Rock? <laughs> and Violet Knight before Kid Rock. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And my buddy Craig would play Session for Kid Rock's set because he loves him so much. He actually kind of looks like him. I'm not kidding. Like Andy Dufresne? No, I'm Andy. Oh, sorry, Craig, sorry. Craig has a. Kid I thought you Rock meant kind of him. Vibe. Him like being he unironically wears like a giant pimp coat wherever he goes. <laughs> um, no, like we were just talking about Zeppelin. 
you gotta yeah. you gotta have Zeppelin. Right. You can't have that opportunity and not have Zeppelin play a set. So they gotta be playing. This is for your version of, of the Yeah. The the second version of the of the, the this is like the genuine Okay. <laughs> like yeah, after the the first day where Limp Biscuit and Kid Rock make <laughs> remember like Woodstock ninety nine burning yeah, to yeah, the yeah. fucking ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nickelback no, I can't say Nickelback. That's such a cliche and they're actually not a bad band. Yeah. They're not. They're he's a great writer and people mm. always shit on them. We're ending that right now. They're good. Everybody sings all their songs. It's true. Like that's true. Like Saving Me comes on a rock star. You know every word. Um, I went deep on a video about that thing once where like it was basically this ad on Comedy Central got aired. Like you've seen that video? No. It got aired like a hundred thousand times in a year, where this one guy is like shit talking nickelback and it's on a comedy central ad and that's where the it or originated oh sure yeah but i mean yeah that being said i can't do that it's lazy and lowbrow and i forbid it because i actually i actually like some of their stuff mm. um yeah no i would do led zeppelin david bowie yeah <sighs> okay you got zeppelin you got david bowie i'm picking ones that you can't see probably Nirvana. Oh, wow, yeah. Or, uh, and then like, on the B stage, before Nirvana, (laughs) you got Joy Division. Oh, yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's like, that's a fucking tough one. Yeah, like those, all those acts, the Beatles, is also one we were talking about. Just like, to see them in their prime too, would be amazing. Queen, holy fuck, Freddie. Yeah, that's a tough one. And then if it was more modern, I don't even know. But that's, yeah. And if we were eating anything, I'm a big fruit guy, and I love fruit. Yeah. And if I'm going to pick something that's going to make me feel good and taste good, Mm. it's probably going to be a piece of fruit, to be honest, which is kind of, I said bananas earlier. Let's go with bananas, final answer. Or mangoes. I like mangoes a lot, too. Ooh. A nice mango. Crazy. Everybody's getting all, yeah. But yeah, man, what a, that's a great concept. The yeah. game show, I love that. And it's also just like so thought-provoking because it's like you can only choose. Yeah. Where where would it happen? Mm. Um, <laughs> the Limp Biscuit Kid Rock, and Violet <laughs> Night Showcase. Yeah, showcase. It would probably be, yeah, it'd be fucking amazing. It would be a giant festival because basically everybody within a hundred thousand kilometer radius would flock to the area yeah. to see it. Um, I, I probably somewhere nice and warm, mm. somewhere outdoorsy for that one. I'd probably go somewhere like with a bit of attitude, like also, you know what? Let's look like Florida. Sure. They're, they're the, or Texas, like Sick. they're the fucking wild west right now. Yeah. 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 Every, yeah. It would be a good time. And for the Zeppelin and everything, um, I think probably Southern California. And the reason being is that it's like mm. the perfect hemispherical location. And that's why there's so many great festivals there is because yeah. you can be outside until like three in the morning in a t-shirt. You know what I mean? If it was like in Canada, like in Vancouver, or Toronto, I mean, the summer would work. Right. Yeah. But it's like, I don't, you've obviously been to LA and stuff. You've yeah. been, you've been around. There's something like for the first time we ever drove down there from BC, there's something so special about crossing the border from Oregon to California. Yeah. And when everything transitions to desert and seeing it, just such an iconic mystical place Mm. that such a great lineup of Zeppelin and Bowie and whoever would only be fitting to perform in such a place. That's great. 
And at what time of the year? Summer for sure. Yeah. Late summer though, like Augusty summer. Yeah. A lot of people say August. I would say the majority of people that play the Dream Fest game say August. Yeah, it's a, it's ideal. Do love August. Yeah. Yeah. There was a great festival, not the greatest festival of time, but there used to be a festival out in Edmonton called Sonic Boom Festival. Okay. And I grew up in the West, so we would commute and see a lot of bands there. That festival was awesome. Like, Mm. every year they had just, like, the one year they had, like, Jack White, Arctic Monkeys, Foster the People. Like, it was just stacked, you know? Right. Year after year. And um, one year they had, like, Linkin Park and Fun and a bunch of other. Like, it was always nuts. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, I don't know what happened, but they stopped doing it so much. And it's kind of a bummer because it was like always something to look forward to. And I had this in my head where like one year we'll play that festival in, right. a, in a big way. You know? Yeah. I do have, yeah, you, you, a great, great question for, for the pod would be, is there any shows like, you know, is that one of the questions you have? Like if you could play any show, what would it be? Oh yeah, that's, that's, that is great. Um, like benchmarks. I, like I, th- I th- honestly, I think it might have been a, a question like early on in in, in, oh, in the, the podcast history kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, like a dream venue to play kind of thing, or dream like dream yeah, like Reading scenario. Leeds, SNL, yeah, yeah, yeah. In its prime. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, but man, thank you for for being on. It's it's uh, that's how we sort of conclude the pod. Um, Sweet. you know, I'd like to thank you for for you know for coming on. For honestly, for sending me a, a DM. Yeah, and um, thanks the Abrahams for introducing me to this. Yeah, yeah, to you. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, so great to just meet you and and talk about your process and hang. You know, we did a lot of hanging on and off mic here. Um, so, um, you know, make sure to check out his socials at, at Connor Pole. That's C O N N O R P O H L, and uh, at Violet Knight. Violet is in purple. Violet Knight. That's right. Night is a nighttime right. because Violet Night sounds like a metal band, and we are not that. Yeah, and it's not like Violet Night, like, like Sword Night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so check them out on uh, on socials and stuff. Um, I also want to thank uh, the people that are you know listening and, and watching the pod. Um, it's great. This is the fifty fifth episode, uh, fifty five weeks on the pod, um, and yeah, I just want to thank those who. Uh, you know, come back and interact for, with us on socials um, and on YouTube, whatever, wh- wherever you're listening to. Um, yeah, thanks. And don't, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Please uh, leave a like, comment, subscribe, do whatever you need to, to, uh, you know, to get more information. Uh, I think our goal is to, you know, just share information, share conversations with people um, in the music industry and not only artists like Connor, but uh, also people uh, in the behind the scenes. Um, so, Yeah. Thanks everybody, and um, stay safe. See you next. Any any final any final thoughts, final words, words of wisdom. Uh, I got nothing. If I was to say any, like that was a really loaded question. It was three things at once: final thoughts, words of wisdom, final thoughts. Uh, thank you so much for listening to things that I have to say, and I hope that you feel inspired to create your own art to to do something creative with your day you know amazing all right folks thank you um have a you know great weekend stay safe cheers